right. Hi, I'm here with uh, my special correspondent, Joe Emmersberger. Uh, a co-host. He's going to be a special co-host on this one. And then we're, here, we're both here with Kim Ives, editor of Haiti Liberté. English section editor. English section only, as was clarified uh, very uh, strongly on yes. Democracy Now! recently, that you are ju- you're not the owner. Uh, no. You're not the white savior. Nope. You're just the English language editor of Haiti right. Liberté. Which yeah, is who's told to handle all the English language interviews. So, Kim, let, just, t- just tell us about Haiti Liberté a little bit before, uh, just so our listeners know. Uh, Haiti Liberté is, I could say, a collective of uh, Haiti's radical intellectuals. It's revolutionary intelligentsia, if you will, uh, which... Um, many of us are alumni and alumna of the uh, weekly Haiti Progrès, which was founded in 1983. Um, due to sort of leadership differences and things, many of us uh, left or were expelled. And we ended up starting a new uh, paper, which kind of tried to recreate the original Haiti Progray back in the 80s, which was a very dynamic, feisty paper and had a lot of debate about um, the uh, struggle in Haiti, which was then under the Duvalier regime. And uh, so Haiti Liberté, I could say, is the child, the son, the daughter of Haiti Progray. And we continue the ideological struggle with it. um, So so is Haiti Progray like the Judean People's Front and then... Haiti Liberté is like the people's <laughs> front of Judea, that kind of thing? No, uh, yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> you know, the, 19, the early 1980s was a time of tremendous ferment in Haiti. I mean, you not only had the Duvalier dictatorship, which was beginning to wobble because Jean-Claude Duvalier married Michel Bennett. And this was sort of the first time the two ruling classes of Haiti, the mm-hmm. Comprador bourgeoisie and the Grandon, had sort of kissed and made a baby. And uh, this was outraging, you know, the hardliners on both sides. And so uh, the regime began to wobble and in, in, the, the marriage was in 1980 and in 1986, the regime fell. But that was also because due to shifts in the way the US empire runs its nail colonies. Yeah. But then um, it was also the period of AIDS and Haitians were being uh, accused of being the vector of AIDS. Oh, it's all coming from the Haitians. And so, you know, there was a tremendous, you know, bus drivers were wearing rubber gloves and stuff like this. And so there was a big mobilization around that. Um, and of course, there were the struggles in Central America going on. So we were connected with the Salvadorians, the Nicaraguans, and the various other struggles of the day, which were fighting against US imperialism in Central America as well. So it was a very heady time. Haiti uh, Progray had to be formed because the main Haitian weekly at that time was a, um, uh, you know, a basically anti-devaluerist but pro-imperialist weekly, Haiti Observateur. So anyway, it, it ran its course, Haiti Progray did, and then Haiti Liberté uh, really came at kind of when there was a shift. Uh, Preval had just come in and there was you know, a, a feeling that the, the struggle needed to be taken to the next level because Lavalas had sort of maybe reached its limit in a sense that it was not taking the struggle to 
the Dessalinian <laughs> level. Mm -hmm. That is, Toussaint was really for accommodating and dealing and basically yeah. making Saint-Domingue a neo-colony. And Dessalines was the one who said, no, we got to have independence and do our own way. And that was kind of the idea. The Dessalinian ideal was the idea behind Hidi uh, Progress. So uh, a Hidi Liberté. And um, yeah, hopefully we're getting there. So um, fast forward to, yeah. I don't know, let's say 2018-ish. Uh, we've got, is Moise is now the president by 2018, right? What was Yes, that? he is. Yes, yeah. he came in in 2017, February 7th. Yeah, That's why so he says have... he can stay till 2022, <laughs> five years. Right. You know? So we have we have Moise, uh, 2018. Um, we have uh, protests starting because of a doubling of the fuel uh, prices. Um, right. We have... Uh, because we... Petro Caribe was cut. Because Petro Caribe was cut. Petro Caribe being the Venezuelan uh, aid program, subsidized fuel program right. uh, for Haiti. So um, we also have... Uh, this, you know, you, I, one of the things that is so valuable about what you've been talking about in the past couple of days is that, you know, you take it back to the elite, you know, these big, these big families, you know, mm -hmm. Bulos and Mevs and Apeid and Baker and these people. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, my analysis of Haiti right now is there's these big families, there's uh, the NGO kind of movement, which is, to greater or lesser extent infiltrated by US, you know, Clinton Foundation uh, and NED and other soft power operations. Um, there is Lavalas, but which has also been somewhat uh, compromised in various ways uh, since, uh, you know, post coup to post 2004 coup. And then there's like some other, there's other kinds of movements that, you know, old people like us may not necessarily uh, understand or, you know, fit into our um, ideological, of course, you're a very flexible, uh, you know, young at heart kind of person. So this is why you have this. Right. But like, tell us, tell like, is that is that a good map? Am I missing any other uh, forces? But like, in terms of the chessboard, if you want to put it that way, or like, who's who's taking these actions right now? It is a it is a good map. Um... I mean, Lavalas, which had basically a social democratic program, right? Mm -hmm. Aristide's idea was basically let's tax the rich and give the poor some money. And, you know, they didn't like that. They gave him two coups for it. And the U.S. didn't like it either because, you know, he was uh, also dealing with Cuba and Venezuela, et cetera, as did Praval, which was the reason they had to get rid of both of them and put in this PHTK group, you know, which was, you know, I call them a clown mafia. Um, but totally U.S. centric at the end of the day, despite whatever lip service they paid to Venezuela right. because of the oil they were getting, you know, it was a nice party for them. Um, but yeah, I, you know, as I kind of outlined in a piece I did for Rupture uh, magazine back, um, it's an academic journal, I, I didn't really know about it, but uh, somewhere in England or Ireland, and there, there are four basic sectors, I could say, of the opposition. You have sort of the traditional opposition, which is backed by the bourgeoisie. And, you know, it's the traditional politicians who are the chariots and the warriors for their interests. Uh, you have what are called the petro challengers, which are really kind of an offshoot of the Praval sector, their social democratic sector, which uh, are against corruption. Praval was a big anti-corruption guy, even though it was in his regime, but he, he was against it. 
Um, you have what I call the, and the Petro Challengers are, are more really reformist and, you know, they're very good at uh, nice websites and nice banners and uh, so forth, but they're not really with the, in the people, you know, they tend to be professionals. They've gone to school in the States or Canada or whatever. Right. And um, so they are uh, a little more bougie or petty bougie. And then you have the uh, other worldists. Uh, these are people like the MPP, uh, Kami Shamers, the sort of NGO world. Yeah. Uh, and I call them other worldists because they don't really have a Leninist perception of we're going to take state power and, you know, do what the Bolsheviks did or the Chinese or the Cubans. Uh, we're going to set a world apart. It's sort of a choppist approach. It's sort of change um, the world without taking power. Holloway. Right. It's stop the world. I want to get off and I'm going to set up uh, Shangri-La over here. Kind of an Owenite project for those mm -hmm. who have studied that one. stuff. So, um, and then you have the traditional sort of Marxist-Leninist approach, which uh, we have more or less germinating here at Haiti Liberté with its allies, which is to create a, a vanguard party. So, you know, they've all been kind of working on their different uh, paths. But then here out of the shantytown comes <laughs> a totally yeah. autonomous independent movement with a guy who basically was... Uh, a straight arrow until a couple of years ago and he started to get shafted and he flipped he said bam you know i'm i'm fighting this thing a very courageous guy this this jimmy sherry's yay yeah. uh barbecue. barbecue yeah and um you know i i mean i <laughs> we in the beginning we used to publish the rndh reports that is the uh, uh pierre esperance outfit called the haitian network of human rights yeah. def defense of human rights you know, we were putting them, I, you know, I worked with them when we did the mercenary piece two years ago. So I totally drunk the Kool-Aid. Oh, yeah, barbecue. He's the bad guy. Let's fight barbecue. But, yeah. you know, then my, my director here, Bethany Dupont, sat me down one day. He said, listen, man, you're not, you don't understand what's going on. Uh -huh. And he started to explain because he and his comrades who were forming this uh, new fighting organization, hopefully that will be unveiled soon, said, um, uh, you know, had been watching the videos and seeing what was happening. And it said, this guy is something. So I was sent down to go talk to him, put eyes on, as they say in Creole, because you, huh? you, can, you can blend in in Haiti. Nobody I can blend knows. in. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> I, I don't stick out. No way. You know, I just, well, yeah, I mean, um, to some extent, yeah, somebody else might have gone but you know it's just been the role that yeah. i have ended up i'm sort of the loose molecule who ends up not just going out to find ads for the paper to keep it afloat but to you know go talk to jimmy shares yay okay no problem <laughs> i do that right after i check the funeral parlor right <laughs> uh so uh so i go down um and you know the guy is the re oh yeah i didn't do the translation though justin of uh four eyes meet lies fall down. And that was it. You know, you really have to see somebody look at them in their surroundings, see if it's the real deal. And he was, he was, you know, very, um, you know, I could say a, a natural leader. Um, it's somebody, and to me in Haiti, you know, you need two features to really be a leader for the people to accept you. And it's not, you know, your knowledge of Marx, Lenin and Mao or something. It's, <laughs> Are you, not, are you not greedy and are you brave? 
The guy's not greedy. I went to go meet him. You know, he's sleeping on a mattress with a fan blowing on him in a gallery of a house. You know, he'd been up all night trying to, you know, keep the peace between the cats that he's hurting. And, um, and brave, you know, the guy's very brave. He goes out, he takes right in front. He took a bullet last month or two months ago. Uh, so, you know, these are the things, but he's, 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 you know, got a few lacunes, as they say in Creole, uh, uh, in French, a few, you know, holes. He's, he's not politically formed in the classical sense, but he's learning and smart. So, you know. so you were saying he's, um, so he was a police. So you, you have this whole analysis that you've been kind of talking about where, you know, yeah. over the past 35 years, Haiti's really transformed from uh, an, ag an agricultural country to, you know, huge numbers of people you know, in the city, military yeah. country, yeah. in the shanty towns, uh, you know, looking for day labor, whatever work. Um, and, uh, and I guess the earthquake accelerated that too, right? It's like people are Absolutely. coming into the city. Yeah. Um, and then look, yeah. So, um, so now you have this situation where these uh, urban people uh, you know, are given like nothing in the city. So they right. have nothing. nothing. Um, and then, uh, and then you have these, these families kind of using people in, to, to do various operations against each other, kidnapping, right. uh, you know, burning down extortion, whatever kind of organized right. crime. And so you're, you were saying that this Sherry's yay, he, he was in charge of doing operations against these people as a police but then he got hung out to dry by his own uh, police organization and, right. then, and, and then um, went from there. So, so now you're saying he's in a position where he's uh, taken control of some of these other armed organizations or? Well, no, that would be too strong a word. He's, he's setting an example. I mean, each of these areas, each of these neighborhoods, whether, you know, he's kind of the, the the king of delma you know delma two four yeah. and six i should say which are lower delma just above grand rue in port-au-prince you know the big uh avenue that runs down the center of port-au-prince that used to be the spinal cord of town uh um you have la saline which is under the control of uh t of t junior you have um okay. Bois, which is under the control of chrysla uh, there are area guys out in Cité Soleil, Isca. And um, do these Matthias. do these different groups have like spon family like elite sponsors? In no, well, cases? no, yes and no. I mean, the, in the past they have, but what he's tried to do and what he's managed to do with uh, eight, the nine these nine neighborhoods is have a pact. Uh, one, a peace pact. You know, we're not going to fight among each other. But two. We're going to not have crime. We're going to stop any kidnapping, any rape, you know, where, you know, some tough, you know, with a M16 yeah. says, hey, you know, Jason, yeah. I like your daughter. Have her come by my place at nine o'clock tonight. You know, that kind of thing. Taking yeah. things from the small merchants who might be in the street and not paying. Uh, just all kinds of abuse and bad things. And they're trying to say, no, you know, we keep the streets clean. We keep this place right. So this is it. But each place, uh, Justin, is its own fiefdom. You know, each mm -hmm. guy is king. Like, for instance, he took me on a tour around there. We went down to La Saline. I went around. And, you know, I saw the rapport with the people. People 
They really seem to love them. You know, oh, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. You know, everybody's Jimmy, Jimmy. And, um, you know, he took me to meet T. Junior. So afterwards, I said, you know, um, uh, Jimmy, could I, could I get a picture of you with T. Junior? And he goes, I don't know. I'd have to get his permission. You know, he, it's up to him, you know. So he's not the but boss. He's, he's he said, yes. So he's not the boss. Yeah. But he's sort of the model because... This is the thing. The guy's brave. He's willing to put his face out there to be the spokesman. Most of these guys are, um, you know, hi- hiding their face. They don't. They don't want to be known who they are. Including you know? the, the Haitian police, they had their they wear masks. Well, yeah, sure. Even the Haitian police, because you got to think a lot of these guys. You know, they don't have kind of the mission. I would say. Yeah. Jimmy is really articulated and he, you know, and what's the thing? He, what's he, the thing you quoted him saying? I mean, I guess it's everywhere, but like we're gonna we're gonna come to your grocery store. Yeah, he yeah, he had it. I, I mean, Amy <laughs> played it, Amy played it in that uh, democracy now thing. And he says basically, you know, the importers, the the people who yeah. control the food, who own the grocery stores. They, they, they control the food. That's our food. Yeah. You know, some of it yeah. we made, you know, yeah. we need that food. Uh, our, the banks, we, we can't get credit from the banks, but they have our money. Yeah. We're going to get that money. Uh, the cars, <laughs> we never can drive a car off a lot in our life. Yeah. We want those cars, you know, so, mm-hmm. you know, this is like, wow, you know, you're breaking the rules, pal. Yeah. You I don't go. even know. I don't even know that Aristide said that kind of thing. No, no, no. no. This is a whole other thing. Aristide was always, oh, you know, we're going to work together with the bourgeoisie we're gonna and but he's saying no we're taking you guys out you know it's that downtown against the uptown and in fact i had people writing me when he said that and they said oh my god he's making a huge mistake you can't you can't blast the entire bourgeoisie like that which is true because in a way uh you know you are going to need bourgeois allies but he's just taken a, a a a whole a wholesale war approach you know we, we the people the lump of proletariat we're going to fight the bourgeoisie which um he you know he's i don't think he's quite uh um uh what would be the word reckless or uh he's not that far gone in a sense because right. while i was with him you know his phone was constantly people from the states calling the diaspora likes him, loves him, I could say, you know, people what's the state Huh? Say it again. Because when you talk about a guy who's going all out against the elite, you, you got to start wondering, okay, well, how is this sustainable? Just like, where is the, basically the money? It, well, that's it. That's it, Joe. Uh, th- th- that is, these guys, a lot of people are supporting him. They're sending him money. Uh, you know, they're supporting him. They're inspired by him. Uh, sometimes it's, uh, even, you know, can you do me a favor? Can you help fix up my house? That kind of thing. Uh, you know, um, yeah. so there's, and, and also the thing is you have to think these guys and the vigilance brigades in Haiti, that's how they kind of got their start was guarding things against the bad people for the bourgeoisie. You know, yeah. I, I'm, I'll guard your house. I'll guard your factory. I'll guard your depot. I'll guard your land. And um, that's what, uh, the D- lower Delma people. There's a couple of big places uh, right across the street from Delma Six is the big Toyota dealership uh, owned by the Saliba family, and that's where Jimmy, you know, went ballistic against Bulos, who he was kind of dealing with, because Bulos said, you know, Jimmy, come here. Here's some galils and ten thousand bucks. I want you to burn down Toyota dealership because. He's got the Nissan dealership, which, as we know, is where all the cars came from for the uh, mercenaries. So um, 
you know, Jimmy said, you know, WTF, what do you mean? I'm not going to burn, you know, we've been, we've been guarding this guy's place for, for uh, all these years. And now you want, you, who, who do you think I am? So when you ask him to do something criminal like that, it's like you, you slapped him across the face. You know, this is kind of a operation which is growing. Uh, you know, the, of course, those little uh, payments that people get and the employment people get is not going to be enough to sustain the organization. But, you know, the diaspora who want to come back, they want to retire in Haiti. They want to have uh, a life in Haiti. They are, um, you know, encouraged to see here's a guy who's finally talking back to this bourgeoisie who has run the place, as, as he says in his uh, speech, you know, they're the ones who do and undo everything. Uh, and, you know, they say, you know, great, go for it. Challenge them, Jimmy. There's two points I always make when we're talking about this. Uh, one is, you know, you, you were talking about the diaspora and the diaspora sends more money from the U.S. Uh, yeah. back to uh, Haiti than at all of the aid organizations, exactly. you know, combined by over by two a billion huge, a year. Yeah. yeah, by huge one. And that's like a financial flow that is basically under the control of the U.S. You know, it goes through U.S. banks and Western Union and, right. and you know, they cream they cream big money off of that. Big money off of that. Um, you know, selling mobile phones, the rice, U.S. rice. I think Katie's a market for 10% of, of the U.S. rice industry. Oh, is that so, right? I yeah, did not know yeah, that. That's fantastic. $200 million. So, so I just I just like to emphasize, like Haiti is a place where America makes money. It's not yeah. a burden. It's not like a, you know, it's not like some kind of like reluctant thing that America has to do out of its conscience. Like they go there and they fleece these people um, for every cent that they they can get. Justin, um, it's a little like the quote that Ramsey Clark made, may he rest in peace, uh, watching the uh, women assembly workers come out of the factory in uh, factories in Haiti. And he just, you know, shook his head and said to a comrade who was sitting next to him, it's always amazing to me how much money can be made off the backs of the poorest of the yeah. poor. Yeah. You know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and then Bulos, you know, I just, I don't know if you've seen the story in Politico, Haitian opposition leader hired DC lobbyist two yes. days before president's assassination. Yeah. So Rhett Boulos apparently hired a lobbyist named Art Estopian, sounds mm -hmm. uh, Armenian, um, but, and yeah. uh, he's been communicating with them about how he's gonna have a political party and, and there's various things that Boulos is, is trying to do. I was, remarking, I was remarking to Justin uh, earlier that, you know, something has the the this power brokers in Haiti spooked? It seems to me, like regardless of what you yeah. think of uh, barbecue, whatever, it seems like there's something going on. Because why why would the, the, you know Moise be bumped off? Why is there these calls for U.S. intervention? Like there's some kind of panic there. Like the system's being disrupted. You know they can't just yeah. continue on. Right. Well, that's the whole thing. I mean, this picture is going to get much more complicated, as they say in Creole, de amon gamon, behind mountains or mountains. And it's looking more and more like maybe this Dimitri Herard, who was the head of the palace guard, may have had a hand in the killing. Yeah, I mean, exactly. one thing is the gouged out eye. I don't think that, uh, you know, Colombian, they're not going to gouge out an eye. You know, why? And even the shooting of the body, the coroner report, talks about 12 bullets you need 12 bullets to kill a guy 
Yeah. It seems one of them was in the hill anyway. So, you know, what's that? Um, Some kind of like real hatred. Yeah, the, yeah, it seems there was a lot more animus involved than just a, 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 a cut and dried uh, hit job. So, um, you know, there may be that there, you know, maybe he was killed by the presidential guard or by Dimitri Herard, as some are claiming on social, you know, on social media. Uh, you know, that's one factor. But also, there is that U.S. role in this. I, it's inconceivable to me that the U.S. Embassy, the fourth largest U.S. Embassy in the world, with all its antennas and, you know, agents working in the country, didn't have a clue that this yeah. was going down. Plus, yeah. they have Leon Charles there, who yeah. apparently there was a request for, for them to go up the hill. They had to call Leon Charles, and he said, yeah, let them go up. So maybe he was in it. And he's uh, now investigating it? And he's investigating it. He's telling the story. Well, I and, have uh, yeah. no doubt the truth will come. No, but so these people, Kim, these people that were captured, the 26 uh, Colombian mercenaries, including some pretty uh, high profile people from the Colombian army with their own records uh, right. in Colombia, uh, and then two Haitian Americans, one of whom had been a security uh, pr you know, provided private yeah. security at the Canadian embassy and elsewhere. Are these people... Like, is there any reason to believe these people were involved in the operation or are these just mercenaries that people were rooting out and handing over to the police after what happened? Because they knew. Oh, no, I think they were because there's video of them arriving. Oh, and it and matches. Spanish being speak yeah, and it matches. And okay. no, I think they're pretty much uh, they, they were a crew and they'd been there for a month. You know, they've yeah. been there for a while. So, um, you know, it's a little okay. unclear still. I mean, the official story is that we've all been going on the basis of was they're the ones who killed him. But maybe somebody else killed him and they got there and they said, well, the guy's dead here and we were going to arrest mm -hmm. him. I mean, I think our uh, our comrade uh, Jeb Sprague has that notion that the Colombians were basically going there to arrest him and then he was dead, you know, so. But uh, if the, <laughs> I don't think so because when the, when the Americans went... Uh, to get Aristide in 04, they went themselves. The ambassador went himself and said, you're getting on yeah, this plane. Yeah, that, right? was, that was correct. So um, they don't, they yeah, don't get but the, the That might have been a different, but that was a SEAL team. You know, that was an official thing. Yeah. This is a mercenary thing. You know, these guys yeah. are all guns for hire who don't really know. And, you know, a lot of time these guns for hire, they're just in it for the money. They, they, yeah. They're not yeah. so, um, you know, it's like what happened again in 2019. These guys all piled into something which was yeah. completely harebrained. But yeah. the fact... And it ha it's happened multiple times in Venezuela. Yeah, but the fact, and that's been the one thing bothering us, is, yeah. you know, how, how was their exit strategy so stupid and clumsy and unsuccessful, obviously? You know, there's videos now of their their cars sort of parked along the bottom of the hill of the road that comes down from the, yeah. the mountains above Petionville. And, uh, you know, they're kind of in the ditch and in a parking lot along the side of the road. So obviously they had no, no exit strategy. So why so was probably, that? They must well, have thought the police were going to make it clear for them. Either, either, either there was, Either it was pure stupidity and they had a very bad yeah. plan or they were betrayed. Yeah. But in a way, Jeb's thesis that perhaps they thought they were just going to arrest him. And, um, you know, then and they went bad, out yeah. and but, you know, so so, you know, they, they really weren't prepared. They didn't think they had to have an exit strategy. 
uh, of that uh, much involvement. So uh, yeah, there's there's still a lot of questions about how and why the whole thing went down. It's interesting today. There's you know a lot of fake videos going around. There's one <laughs> fake video, yeah. uh, which is uh, Martine. Moise, you know, saying, oh, they killed my, you know, which is obviously not her because it's like a very studio made uh, uh, recording and the voice is clear and strong. Obviously, she's not that. She's just was anybody going. even injured uh, attempting to defend? There's no no reports of that. Who knows? But if you hear the video of yeah, the shooting, said. it was like it was like World War Three. You know, yeah. it was the like guns going off everywhere. So right. I, I'm not sure what the heck. Uh, yeah. that's all about, but in the, in the facade of one of these buildings is just totally shot up. It looks like the Alamo or something. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, or, or the Moncada might be a better picture. Uh, oh no, Alamo will be better. Uh, so, um, there, you know, are a lot of questions that we, we still have to work out. So, um, back to, uh, you know, when you were on democracy now, mm -hmm. uh, they they seem to be um there seemed the the other guest he seemed to be you know he seemed to cite a couple of ngos he said you know it's not just uh esperance's organization it's also fondation jeclair fkjl yeah fondation jeclair which is mario langille which is she split off basically a couple of years ago she was working with him she was his first okay. you know right hand woman and then she put out an expose saying, you know, this guy took 50 grand or whatever it was from Martelly, you know, so you know, okay. this very guys he's he's criticizing, yeah. he's taking money from him. They split very bitterly and she set up her own sort of and rival then, organization. And then C-A-R-D-H. The thing is, in this war, Justin, the gangs are part of the political struggle and yeah. the neighborhoods that the G9 is fighting are sort of the base of the opposition. Like in Bel Air, the gang up there is called the Baz Cameroon, which is headed by a guy called Dan Cato or Antonio Anthony Cherami, who was a, a kind of a dread musician too, uh, who was a deputy or a senator, a deputy. And um, they were the first to hit Delma. So Cherizier's hmm. thing is, if you hit up, we're not going to hit, we're not going to fight you because he's trying to make peace between yeah. all the lumpen groups. He said, yeah. in his latest one, he, he's talking to the people attacking him, Tila Pli, um, as well as uh, Village de Dieu, and also Bel Air. And he's pleading with them. He said, please, I don't want to fight with you guys. If, yeah. if you fight, if you hit me, I'm going to hit you back as hard as I can. But yeah. I really, let's put down our guns and or let's use the guns we got against the guys <laughs> who gave us the guns, the bourgeoisie. Right. That's his message over and over just, again. Uh, just, I was just looking on CARDH's uh, site and they have a piece called The Hegemony of Crime and the Responsibility to Protect. Mm -hmm. There you go. Yeah, so you can see these groups so. are generally, I mean, I think they're all, I mean, we know about RNDDH, uh, they're yeah. kind of a long-time U.S. embassy ally. Um, uh, they got 60 grand, I think, last year from NED, you know, that CIA cutout. Um, and I think they all are, are a little bit in that because the whole human rights 
shtick is part of the empire's, you know, <laughs> quiver for attacking countries yeah. they want to bring down you know yeah. human rights okay <laughs> but yeah. you're i mean this saying... was it was directed to moise but still uh you know anybody who says responsibility to protect I guess yeah a, yeah a yeah little, put a question mark right on their know, forehead little... uh, <laughs> so um uh, <laughs> yeah so okay. wait, wait so this thing about uh the uh, and daoud andre's coming with uh you know everybody knows so in these neighborhoods, you go around, like I was talking uh, yesterday to uh, Eugene Perrier of uh, the Party for Socialism and Liberation and Breakthrough News here in New York. He went down mm. there and he was telling me uh, that um, the, uh, you know, he got the tour of the neighborhood with the people who are sort of aligned with this opposition sector, which controls Bel Air. But there were some people on the side saying, that's eh, not what you're hearing, you know. So even within Bel Air, there's division. And um, uh, so the uh, problem that the opposition has is they want to, they don't have the wherewithal or maybe the even desire to uh, make a revolution and take power themselves. They don't have the courage to do that. So what they do is they want to create havoc, create war, create a situation where Haiti becomes ungovernable. And then the U.S. comes in and says, oh, gosh, you know, Moise isn't working out. We'll take one of you guys and put you in charge. So it's almost a hostage approach right there. You know, they're, they're taking the country hostage, putting everybody through hell so that they can uh, have the U.S. step in and do it. And I think it's a very cowardly way of, of doing things. Um, you know, if you want to make a revolution, go make your revolution. But don't, don't, don't make the people pay for it. You can ask them to join you, but, you know, don't mess everything up. So their idea is to create wars and havoc and, uh, and even the kidnapping. You know, the, kid, the gangs the neighborhood organizations who are not part of the G9, uh, particularly in Grand Ravine and Village de Dieu over in Marquisan, they were the ones that the opposition went to in June to give money to attack Tibois, who was part of the G9. So basically, Cherizier launches G9 in June of last year, and they have a year of truce. The gangs are not fighting. But then... Yuri Latotu, apparently, this according to very high place sources, Yuri Latotu goes and gives a lot of money to Tilapli, the head of the uh, Grand Ravine neighborhood, and he starts the war with Tibois. And at the same time, Bel Air, uh, T. Gabriel from Cité Soleil, Katza Maozo from Croix de Bouquet, and others attack uh, uh, Delma. And T. Gabriel's people are fighting with the uh, G9 gangs out in Cité Soleil. So all Port-au-Prince yeah. is, in, 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 uh, is going nuts. And this <laughs> is what the G9 wanted because they had the OAS coming down there and they wanted to show them, listen, this guy, you know, he's, he's not controlling. It's a mess. Put us in charge. So the real, um, uh, uh, the argument that the G9 is supporting Jovenel, which, you know, he's adamant. He said, no, we don't support Jovenel. doesn't do anything for us. But yeah. these guys are sons of bitches and they're making <laughs> us fight each other for their yeah. 
interest. So my last question, and I'll, I'll turn it over to Joe, if you have any other questions, but like I, when I think about like the last generation of this, you know, Billy, Tupac, Dread Will May, um, Samba Bookman. So this all kind of like these names kind of remind me there, there was something like this happening 20 years ago. And, uh, and in a, in a way, like the United Nations Minusta mission was used to clear 15 uh, years ago. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah, they were the ones who went and uh, confronted. And that's what the bourgeoisie to me wants today. Yeah, they so want I, to, they to bring be, in the troops again. Yeah, because yeah. they're that, the only guys with enough muscle to do it. Yeah. So that's you see that the same way. Yeah. So that, that like I just I just when I look at these like these names and these situations in the neighborhoods, I was like, this reminds me a lot of the way that it played out. And it makes sense that if you, you know, if you're used to the idea of just calling in the international community to like socially cleanse your city once once in a while, that yeah. that would be the approach that you would. Uh, well, this is it. Take. No, Sherry's Yate to me essentially is a new and improved Red Will May. He's the, um, you know, uh, the, the, you know, these things don't go away once you smash them, bomb them, do what the minister yeah. did in Sidi yeah. Soleil. They just exactly. pop up somewhere else. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And sometimes in a completely unexpected spot, like right out of your, the police force itself. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, you know, the, the, I, when I saw Cherizier's story, I was thinking, I thought of Guy Philippe, but you, you don't, yeah. th- you don't see it in the same. You think? It's well, totally you know, different. in the beginning, you immediately think, and there are cops who are totally corrupt and working with the criminal organizations who are involved in the kidnapping and so forth. But he's not one of them. He's a law and order guy. He's, uh, you know, the guy trying to, you know, he, you know, because before he even started on all this, before he even had a problem with the cops. He started an organization called something like the Rebirth of Del Ma because he wanted to go back to the days when it was, you know, clean and orderly. And, you know, (laughs) I mean, he had a vision, you know, and that's what he was trying to explain. Yeah, he's one of those noble cops they're totally deluded about what cops are really about. and what. Right. Yeah. No, he doesn't have a lot of, um, you know, formation in that sense of the role of the state and blah, blah, blah. But um, you know, he does want things to be straight, you know. <laughs> On the straight and narrow. Straight and narrow. Go ahead, Joe. If you have... Yeah, I was thinking about uh, Guy Philippe as well, because I remember the interview that Peter Howard did with Guy Philippe uh, many years ago. And w- what struck me was that Philippe was making some effort to be somewhat populist, uh, you know, in invoking Hugo Chavez. In the yeah, I was going to say, I think he said his idol, his idol was Hugo Chavez. <laughs> But then he also yeah. said, I don't. I think he was pretty cynical and pretty phony. You know, he, oh, yeah. he, he also said uh, Pinochet was his idol too. So he, he kind of yeah, so he's mixing the two, right? <laughs> yeah, but he he but he but he uh, he seemed to make some effort to be kind of popular. So he, so I guess that raises questions uh, to people like, you know, wouldn't it, wouldn't a guy like uh, like Cherry Zay kind of you know want to say those things as part of his own personal ambition? You know, to maybe. He's um, yeah, I don't, you know, from, from my meetings with him, he doesn't strike me as that kind of, um, uh, he's, he's not a bluffer. He's not, a, you know, he's the kind of guy, if you said, you know, did you shoot this guy? He said, yeah, I had to shoot him. And, you know, he's, he's that, you know, I had to shoot him for this, that, and this reason. Yeah, and when he talks, if you notice, yeah. if, if you talk, when he notices, he always is concrete. He never says something vague. He cites names. 
He gives names and exact information. And so he's not a guy who makes some, you know, kind of empty uh, charge as so much people are doing against him. Even uh, I just saw on Twitter before I got on this, uh, some guy responding to a thing you put out, uh, Joe, where he said, oh, but, you know, sure, he has admitted to the massacres and he's uh, not done allow demonstrations in his neighborhood. You know, well, these two things are just patently false. So, you know, I, as I said to the guys, where's your proof? You know, where, where are you getting that? Well, you're getting it just from these empty charges that are, are thrown yeah. at it. So, Kim, what if you're wrong? What if you've been taken in by this guy and, uh, you know, and you, you've, you've just you've just got it completely wrong? Yeah, um, right. what, yeah, what 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 are what are what's going to happen? Like, I, I guess what I'm saying is like, if I if I adopt your analysis, what do I think is going to happen compared to if I think you're wrong? Because I suspect okay. if you're right, uh, the Americans are going to try to take Cherizier out with uh, oh, they are, as, yeah. as soon as they get there. No, and if he's, you're... They, he's they're they're going after him. I mean, they're they're sitting right now as we speak, trying to figure out how they're going to go get him. Yeah. And and that's his one. The thing is, he's not he's not one of us. I mean, we didn't. Yeah. You know, we 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 came across him in the struggle and, you know, we said, okay, you, you're an ally, but you know, he's got some lacune. When I talk to him, he's not entirely clear on the U S his, his idol, his model oh, yeah, is Aristide. The, 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 the flag, right. He well, yeah, the flag that he had before. And he said to me right up because I, that was one of the first things I broached. And he said, mm -hmm. listen, you know, for the U S thing, Listen, I don't know if it's because my brothers and sisters, he's the youngest of eight kids. Uh, again, his mother was a, you know, street barbecue vendor. Um, he said that, you know, they're all in the States. They're living there. I don't want to, I don't want to mess with the States and, and they can help us one day. You know, they can give us money one day. You know, this was Aristide's thought too. He said, you know, we can, we got to figure out how to convince them to, to help us get out of our hole. Yeah. They didn't realize that no one putting you in the hole and keeping yeah. you in the hole. Yeah. And, um, so, you know, there's a little naivete there. And for instance, um, uh, even in the uh, interview that I published, uh, most of it, uh, which has, um, uh, he had a Che Guevara picture across the street, you know, from his headquarters, you know? And so I hadn't asked him at the time, but I asked him in one of those later things. And I said, you know, who put that there? And he said, yeah, we put it there. And, you know, we're going to put others of Thomas Sankara uh, and Fidel Castro and people who are ready to struggle, who are ready to defend their people. And then he paused for a minute because he's talking to me and he goes, and Barack Obama. <laughs> oh, boy, you know, and so I go. So, you know, so he's got some illusions, you know, yeah. about the U.S. And, in, uh, you know, I, I, I hope he sees them. You know, I've been sending him the Haiti Liberté stuff and hopefully he's starting to read Haiti Liberté. But, you know, he does, you know, he has the same illusions Aristide had. And again, mm -hmm. unfortunately, Aristide is his model, uh, which is that somehow the U.S. can be convinced to be uh, Haiti's benefactor. No. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, he, I'm worried, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've come to identify with him a little bit just from listening to you. And I'm worried that that's, you know, the next step yeah. is that they're going to try to kill this guy. Off. Oh, no, no, he'll be he'll be killed very quickly after he's demonized. You know, he'll yeah. be he's, he's the whole this whole thing is going to turn into the Sherry's show very soon. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, we're we're just kind of, you know, with our one little sword trying to mm -hmm. beat off the horde in front of us. But, you know, they're they're going to have everybody parachuting in and, you know, every microphone and uh, camera uh, trained on him and look at this big bad guy. Yeah. Will that be enough? I mean, is it basically a one man show at this point to the extent? Him? Yeah, in a way, I, I, I mean, my 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 vision. He he introduced me to another guy, another big guy. Kind of, you know, came in and he said, you know, if I'm gone, uh, he, he's the next guy to talk to, you know. But he clearly he didn't have any of the sort of charisma and you know uh, sizzle that uh, Cherizier has. You know, he is he's he's a very charismatic, very strong leader uh in a sense and he was among the cops the cops all really liked him because you know he was brave that operation they had to do in grand ravine he didn't have to go he could have sent somebody but he went you know because he was looking out for his men that's the kind of guy it's kind of you know i'm going to watch out for my guys he's he's yeah. that kind of guy uh so um you know if he's out of there i, I don't i don't know who's next in line i don't i didn't meet any other other than uh, the guys in Delma too, the Rue Saint-Martin and La Saline, and none of them looked like they were uh, his timber. Uh, yeah. So I don't know about so the star to, or Chrysler, you know. So they're trying to set back this this possibility for a generation or for 10 years or whatever by going Right, in. right, yeah. yeah. No, mm -hmm. I think, yeah, they got to stamp this out because this thing is dangerous. This is real nitroglycerin. You mentioned, uh, you know, back in 2004, uh, China and the United States were getting along, basically. And uh, so they got their Chapter 7 uh, resolution to get the UN troops in. You mentioned that now that doesn't look very likely at all. You know, with the... Right, I don't think so. I, yeah, I think, I mean, you never know with uh, China because, you know, they look at the UN and the US, you know, they have that wall <laughs> mentality. Uh, and, you know, that's their world. We got ours. But you know, Xi is a lot more, how would I say, um, uh, I could say, I, I think he's a very intelligent leader and has yeah, really yeah. turned things around quite a bit there. Uh, and I think, you know, he could start to play a little more hardball and say, okay, you're not going to get all your your things. And that's why I think Duque came out like, you know, right after this whole thing happened and said, oh, we're going to have the OAS because I think they're going to end up having to use the OAS. Mm-hmm. Like they oh right they won't be able yeah. to do it through the un of course yes yeah because because uh china and maybe even russia will will block yeah it why should either. they what why, why yeah. should they give the u.s anything like this right right yeah yeah they they, wow. they um yeah i think they'll block them there and even the oas they might not because we got this mini pink tide coming with bolivia and peru and uh you know so they might not be able i think for the inter-american charter to get the um, that you have to have two thirds. So out mm. of 33 countries, you got to have 22. Can they get 22 countries gonna to do vote an for it? OAS coalition of the willing. <laughs> right. God. Well, they might do that. But the <laughs> thing is, normally, to me, that's why I was thinking that maybe they knew this was going to happen. They knew it was going to be ugly. And they said, you know, we got to get something that's going to not only shock Haitians, but yeah. shock the Caribbean people, you know, right. who are right now with their dukes up to the U.S. because yeah. CARICOM is not too U.S. friendly at all no. right now. No. And so they probably wouldn't agree to it uh, if it weren't something really dramatic, like a president getting dismembered. So, yeah. you know, that's how they did it in 1915. And I think 
you know, they're trying to redo it today. And also 94, we have to remember, you know, they used yeah. the killing of Jean-Marie Vincent, the machine gunning by Yuri Lotter to the head of the current opposition to, 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 the, to sell that one. The nephew of the interim. Well, yeah, he was not exactly a nephew, um, but yeah, they called him, I mean, something like a nephew. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of neo-colonial nostalgia running the, running the, um, U.S. right now, it seems. Right. And in and, and this whole question of the intervention, uh, it's unclear to me. Uh, I, I see reports in the Times saying, oh, they rebuffed the U.S., the uh, Haiti's request for troops. But mm, uh, I see sure. Kevin Pina tweeted out a thing that Marines landed off of the USS Billings last night and joined two special forces units. I mean, I don't know. It's a tweet. Might not be true, but yeah, but like when when, when when Joseph asks for troops, he didn't just like he was he asked if he could ask first, right? Like that's that's how these requests exactly. Work. No, the guy is a U.S. <laughs> agent for years. I mean, he yeah. was basically has been working for the NED since uh, 2003. So or for they past, told him uh, to yeah, ask. 18 years. It would be right. great if you'd ask me for troops. Right. So, so they kind of <laughs> said no. So what are they doing? Are they trying to do it on the sly, not to kind of shock people that we just pulled out off Afghanistan and now we're jumping into Haiti? Maybe it's that, but... Um, could be uh, logistics like they could want to make sure they have everything in place before, place they, before they do it yeah right so we have to watch but yeah it's pretty sure they're coming in like gangbusters pretty soon i mean they I, maybe I, they may be trying to assassinate sherry's yay before yeah they, maybe the, that, yeah, might, that, be, that might be the opening through. Did, you, did, did you want to go on the uh, democracy now stuff oh yeah yeah we should you know i i you know i just because we listen to that and i think a lot of people will do oh no a lot of yeah and, most of it i mean here the <laughs> thing is in haiti there are two ruling class groups, right? The Comprador yeah. and the Grandon, the, the, the Comprador bourgeoisie, import-export bourgeoisie, and the big landowners. And the big landowners have always used what is called a noirist in Haiti, noirist right. ide ideology to uh, uh, essentially rally the people behind them. Because the two parties that you had during the 19th century fighting were the Liberal Party and the National Party. The Liberals said power to the most competent, to the most capable. Yeah. And the uh, Grandon Party, the National Party, said power to the most numerous, meaning to the Black people. So yeah. that was, um, so their purest expression in recent time came out through the Duvalier regime. Because Duvalier, you can go back and look at the old interviews, you know, he's very much talking black power. This is a question of black mm -hmm. empowerment, blah, blah, blah. Haitian Marxists are, are, don't like this at all. They don't like racializing the class struggle. For them, the class struggle is not a racial question. That, that's a secondary question. It's a class matter. I mean, the founder of the, of the Haitian Communist Party was Jacques Roumain, a mulatto. So, you know, the question of race is, uh, ends up being something which they see as very toxic. Uh, the, you know, party that I worked for for many years under uh, the leadership of uh, Ben Dupuy, who was one of Haiti's foremost Marxists during the uh, 60s, 70s, and 80s, and 90s, and even 2000s. He's going to be 90 this year. Uh, you know, he wrote a book uh, back in the 70s uh, called Le Noirisme, where he lays out this uh, 
very clearly, very well. And on the contrary, I was talking to him today and said, you know, we got to republish that pamphlet, which has <laughs> since been lost, called Le Noirisme. But he begins where he said, any battle yeah. is a battle. It begins with a battle of ideas. And you have to do the ideological battle. So basically what you saw in Democracy Now! the other day was an ideological battle. And Daoud is part of a sector which, and they see things just racially, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. So it's like, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of, I have to tell you, I have a lot of sympathy for that view. Like, uh, you know, yeah. Marcus Garvey, right? Like it's a, it's some kind of, um, you know, and they, they understood when they, they looked at the U.S. in the, in the 1920s and 30s. Mm -hmm. and black workers trying to unionize and they saw that like even the for the most part even the communists were still racist against black people mm -hmm. so you know they came to this conclusion like unless you're working for black people you're you know working for white people <laughs> right, right and so Gar you know garvey has this thing like it's in his book of lessons for for cadres mm -hmm. garvey at cadres where he says you know even communism is basically like a european ideology they want to right have a more egalitarian distribution of what they steal from Africa, right? Right, right. And right. it's like, it's not, it's it's mm -hmm. not wrong. Um, it's but it's not, half right. It's yeah, half like there's, yeah. the, you know, I, I, I get that, I, you know. Yeah. Well, Justin, there's, there's one of these fake uh, videos going around today where it's uh, purportedly a guy on the radio and he's railing, it comes with a picture of the Arab uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Bourgeoisie. I don't know if you've seen it. And there's a guy yeah. saying, oh, my God, you know, these poor people, we're the ones who control the wealth, who have made the wealth of this country and all these poor people. We have to send them back to Africa. And, you know, uh, we shouldn't be afraid of them. We got the guns. They just have rocks. And, you know, it goes on and, and it just is totally, uh, uh, you know, it's, I think completely fake, but it's yeah. basically to whip up this a racialist vision and mm -hmm. you know of course it's always easier when somebody's walking down the street you can easily see if they're black or white or whatever race they are but you can't see their class position you know you you can't see where they stand in terms of class they they that's uh, what you would call an intrinsic truth not a uh, an apparent truth so you know that's the whole thing trying to get to the intrinsic truth not the appearances yeah, but you know, I, I I guess I when I read that transcript, I didn't listen to it, but when I when I read it, I you know, I was first of all I was inclined to look up these different NGOs, and I had heard of the Haitian Human Rights Organization, the Pierre Esperance Organization, because I think they supported the coup against Aristide. Yes, I'm not. Yes, wrong. they did. Yes, yeah, they did, so, and they did the same thing. They took yeah. a battle between two gangs yeah. out in La Syrie in yeah. Saint Marc, between Ramikos. And yeah, Balai Wuzé, Ramiko supported the coup. Balai Wuzé was against. They had a battle. Yeah. Some people were killed. And they went up there and said, oh, it was a massacre, saying the yes. Balai Wuzé people were yes. the massacres, who yeah. were massacring them. And we, we talked to them in Dominican Republic right after. They said, no, we, we had a battle. So, yeah. you know, this is the same thing. There's a battle between two mm -hmm. sides, between the G9 and Bel Air. You know, one's yeah. hitting the other, but you're just pointing to one side, you know. Yeah. And that's what these human rights groups do. You know, so, they just, they've cherry-picked yeah the violence to say, oh, here's the monster. Okay, yeah. so this is this is more like a popular front of Judea versus people, Judean people. Right, front. there you go, so, yeah. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But a lot of the, the former the anti-coup people like from back in 2004 were, were, are kind of split on this, right? The, the narrative has been repeated so many times that if you don't go really looking and say, let me look at this closer, 
uh, you you swallow it as we did, as Haiti Liberté even did in the beginning. You know, we didn't we didn't know, and you know, gradually the comrades here uh, did look at it more closely, and they started to say, wait, wait, that's not that. Wait, 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 and you know, and now we now we think we're on a better path. Well, I think we uh, we got deep enough into the factionalism for to satisfy the most curious. I would yes, say. Okay. Yes. Okay. Sometimes people hear or see something, and they you know, their brain explodes rather than trying to take a critical uh, look at it, which, um, uh, you know, will allow them to fight the real enemy, which is, you know, this ruling class, which is freaking killing the planet uh, uh, in Haiti right now.